0: Podcast World what's up we're back I uh freaking got a great episode for you today you know our love for rodeo here you know the love that Jack Daniels has for rodeos all over the country high school rodeo is where it starts sometimes and then it goes to the college ranks and then maybe the PRCA you got the PBR there's a new one out there that's not real old that we're going to talk about today and I'm going to let the owner the founder one of the original founders of the professional bull riders the PBR is on the show today he is a legend in every rodeo cowboy's mind he is a I've been watching, I watched him rodeo way back in the early 90s, all the way through my college career. I'm so fired up to have him on the show. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends and family at Resist All Hats. I know this man wears a resist all hat. I'm wearing my resist all right now. It's summertime. I got the straw on. Thank you, Resist All, for believing in the culture of the American outdoorsman, hunter, fisher, provider, and gatherer. Today's guest is Tuff Hedeman. I mean, I don't know how to describe Tuff Edeman except just what his first name says, his nickname, Tuff. I've been watching videos of this man and live rodeos, like I said, since my high school days in the early 90s. And I want to start out with a quick question. Tuff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It is truly an honor to have you on the show, Tuff Edeman.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I guess you, you must have been hard up for talent, but that's that's all right. Uh, <laughs> that's it, it, it's worth it's worth what it costs.
0: It's, it's not a, that's that couldn't be further from the truth. I got to ask you a question to start this off, tough, because I watch you in social and I know what your team believes in. But all the rodeos, all the traveling, there's one thing that stays consistent at every rodeo that I've been to, whether it's Bob Tallman's voice or another announcer. Bob Tallman sent chills down our spinal cords this last june at the reno rodeo about the state of our country but with everything that's going on in the world and every rodeo arena you've been in and every flag you've seen come in on a horse and flown and that national anthem goes off what does it mean to you our military first responders to give us these freedoms to enjoy an American rodeo, a Canadian rodeo, I don't care if you're in Calgary or Pendleton or Reno or the NFR in Las Vegas, Nevada, what does the military mean to tough heat
1: Well, it means everything. You know, I, I always feel guilty because, you know, I feel like I really haven't contributed, you know, in in a meaningful way. And that's, that's what they do. And, and every event that I do, you know uh, and have for a very, very long time is, You know, we dedicate every performance to to the servicemen and women uh, for what they do, because in all honesty, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do. And, you know, when you hear the negativity that is spewed out in this this day and time, it just pisses you off and, you know, makes you sick that uh, people have no more respect for them than they do.
0: I want to get this right, Tuffy, and you feel guilty. I often tell soldiers, because in our hunting life, we get to give back a lot through hunts with military veterans, special ops, active duty. Um, we've hunted with people that are no longer with us through military you know, missions and, and being over in theater and, and protecting our freedoms. Um, I often say the same thing, Tuff. I feel guilty. Do you look down on me because I never— entered or I never enrolled I never enlisted to go into the Marines or the Navy or the Air Force or the Army and they always say the same thing heck no you're giving back in your way we were put on earth to do this but one thing I could see that probably has encountered you a lot you've probably had a lot of soldiers male and female come up to you and be like thank you so much tough for what you do. You're the man. You're, you're one of the best ever. You're a legend. And you're sitting, I sit there when they say that stuff to me, like, man, thank you so much for this duck hunt. This means everything. I'm like, no, thank you. The humility amazes me every time that they want to continuously thank us when we should be continuously thanking them at all times. Do you agree with this?
1: Uh, 100%, you know, I, I, any, any time anything is involved with, with those guys, I, try to participate in any way. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, I can carry out the trash. I can, I can do whatever. I've got a couple of good friends and, uh, there's a guy named Ronnie Rains. He he does a lot of events. Uh, you know, he was, he, he went to, he went to Vietnam and and he came back and, uh, he started a company. Uh, he's from, from Odessa, Texas. He started a company with $5,000 and, uh, it turned turned into a billion dollar company but you know he does everything he does now is to he always said that you know he never wanted a soldier to come back and be treated like he he was treated when he came back from Nam and uh he's a remarkable guy and he does a lot of things and i try to do things with him uh, I got to be good friends with Joey jones i was, uh, got to go hunting with him last last fall and shot the I've never been a big hunter and I and I shot a big, uh, big buck and got to be really good friends with Joey and we stay in touch and, you know, what, what those guys do, uh, you just can't, you can't really put into words, uh, what, it, what, it, what it means to you know, the impact and to me, you know, they, they, they just don't get the, the respect and the treatment that they, that they deserve in any way.
0: I agree 100%. And I just, I love the way that you're always putting them first. And I just feel like in your career, we all have different levels of career. We all have different maturity levels of career. I mean, my life has been like a growing thing for me my whole life of like growing into this person I am now in my mid 40s. But one thing that I've always wanted to be consistent, and I think you are the same kind of man, is our admiration and what it means to have them over there. And it's easy to wake up and put on your Wranglers and your Resist All hat. And get in the shoot and take it for granted that, hey, tomorrow's rodeo will be here. Well, I think that we've learned over the last little bit, maybe 18 months, that not everything's guaranteed in life and it can be gone. You've had rodeo friends that have passed away in accidents, which we are going to get into the late great Lane Frost, which you were in, you know, you were a big part of that movie. But before we get into stuff like that, it's it's never guaranteed, tough I eat mean, him. Like I watch your videos and you're wearing a cowboy hat, and you're as unprotected as you can get on a 2,000-pound, which I consider the best athletes in the world. There is no better athlete in the world, in my opinion, than a bucking bull. Now, you might say it's a saddle broker, you might say it's bareback. I don't know your opinion on that, but I think that a bull that can weigh that much and jump that high and spin that fast and be that muscular, like I don't know if you can match that. And you were so unprotected, so I'm, I know that you have never taken anything for granted, but did you go through a part of your career tough? to where ego maybe got in your way a little bit and you started to take it for granted to where you, you could ride any bull. What was the attitude like back in the day?
1: I I, I never really took anything for granted. I, you know, I grew up the youngest of seven. So when you're the youngest of seven, it's, 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 it's a, it's a different childhood. Uh, it's, it's great, but it's, it's different, but you know, you, you don't get the opportunity to be a brat because you've got, older brothers and sisters that won't allow it uh but you know I started riding small calves when I was four years old and I fell in love with it and but I but I was terrible you know for the first you know you know I don't think I I stayed on my first calf just because he ran straight and then after that I don't think I probably stayed on for another 10 years and but I just I loved everything about it you know I and I sucked you know uh, you know, I liked it whenever I was terrible, but as I, you know, when I got in high school and, uh, you know, I started, I grew up around horse racing my father worked around horse racing. So I grew up around that when I started exercising and breaking race horses, you have to have a lot of balance for that. And I think, you know, I started getting in you know, physically getting in better shape. And, uh, that's when I started being able to ride decent and started riding competitive but it took me so long to get to a level that 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 i could be competitive that i never took anything i never i never did take it for granted and i and i wasn't very smart but i was smart enough to know that being able to to have a career and a profession uh doing something you love is is the coolest thing in the world so yeah i I, I, I enjoyed it every minute of it you know most people and you know different you know in any sport or any any business over a period of time you know they'll, they'll they might get tired and they might get burnt out but you know I never did I rode professionally for 15 years and riding bulls for 15 years professionally at that level you know that's you just don't see it because the the physically and mentally day in and day out to be competitive you have to show up every time and uh but for me I just never I never took it for granted and I never got tired of it you know the excitement for me every when I would wake up every day was to get to a rodeo make the whistle and win that's 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 really all I live for
0: Would you look at Rodeo today, and I know we're going to get into your organization that you own now, you were one of the original founders of PBR, I believe, in 1985. You were a world champion, I think, in 1995 of PBR, 96, somewhere in there. You had already won three PRCA world champions. I think you qualified for 11 NFRs, if not more. Um, when you look at it as an athlete today, as we watch evolution occur, you look at football players today, bigger, faster, stronger. There's been documentaries written and produced about this. You look at baseball players today, the pitchers are lasting longer. They have more starts. They're throwing the ball faster for you know a, long, a longer period of time. It is the supplementation. It is the workout programs. It is the nutrition. Have Cowboys changed – since you started, from what you see now, because you're around them all the time. And second part of the question, Tuff Edeman, have the rank Bulls changed? Would you want to compete? I know you would want to compete on today's Bulls, but are they better than the Bulls back in the 80s and the 90s, in the, the the mid to late 90s when you were winning all your world titles? Are there? Is it a different breed of livestock that's being rode today in rodeos? And are the Cowboys and Cowgirls different these days?
1: Well, I don't think, I don't, think uh the bull riders were a lot different than, than than we were in terms of you know their diet and their approach and their workout and whatnot you know it's kind of funny even you know when i was riding you know, you know they would always talk about you know, guys would go to the gym and you know you know to work out and this and that and i think i worked out once and uh they're like, yeah, I don't don't really like this. And I always jokingly said, you know, it's it's eight seconds. How how good a shape do you really have to be in? I mean, eight seconds. <laughs> but, you know, what I would consider being in shape for riding bulls would, would be riding shape. You know, you know, physically you have to be in in, in decent shape, but it, it's not it's not about being strong. It's about being you know, it's about being flexible and it's about being able to react to, you know, as a bull jumps this way or that way, you know, it's, it's your body, you know, your, your ability to react to, to follow that. It's, it's like a, it's like a dance, you know, like, you know, and the bull's leading. So wherever he goes, you go with him and, you know, they're, they're basic and fundamentals that there's a reason that you can stay on a bull for eight seconds and there's a reason, you're, you're bucked off and it's always, you know, really just three or four things that that you have to do and they, you have to do it in sync with, with, with the other. Uh, But I don't think there's a lot of difference between say a guy like, you know, J.B. Mooney, who, you know, he's, he's a little bit more of a, a, of an old school throwback guy, just kind of a real gritty, gutsy, get it done, uh, you know, one, you know, I think he's got a couple world championships, but uh, you've got a guy, uh, Sage Kenzie, just is unbelievable. I mean, Sage Kenzie is, uh, you know, what, what he reminds me of is Jim Sharp, who I always thought and said was the best bull rider I'd ever seen because Jim just did everything so, so correct. And, you know, the first time Jim made the national finals. I think it was 1986 and, and uh, nobody had ever ridden 10 bulls at the national finals. And, uh, over a three year period, uh, Jim rode 23 in a row with the national finals. So that's just, that's one little meaningless stat that I always throw, throw out there when they, you know, the best or the greatest is, you know, it's always just, it's, it's an opinion, you know, you can say you know on their best day or how many championships or this or that you know jim won two world championships because you know honestly i don't think he it was it wasn't that important to him it was more important bow riding was more important to me than it was to him and that's why i was able to maybe win one more world title than he did because you know on, on our best day i i couldn't ride as good as he did but you know it was, it was it was just kind of more important to me, and but when you look at the the caliber of bulls that that they ride today versus the caliber that that we rode, the the, the best bulls, you know, back in you know in my career, they were ever been as good as the best bull is today, but today they're all good, you know. You have all the you know these breeding programs where they take, you know, a real athletic, you know, great bucking bull, you know, champion bull, and they breed it to the mother of another great champion bull. And, you know, they're just much more athletic and there's, you know, every time that you show up to a rodeo or a bull riding event, you're going to get on one the bucks. I mean, and, and gives you a chance to win. And while I think I would be, I was always better the better they buck, the harder they buck. I I, I tended to, you know, I always rode better on those kind than I did. If one didn't buck very hard or do very much, I would kinda kinda follow suit and I was more likely to fall off one that didn't buck very hard than than one that did. And but it's not even it's not even close. You know, the bulls now are just much, much better across the board. You know, they they just have the depth, you know, back you know, when I was riding, if I if I wasn't winning consistently, is because you know I was getting on a bull that just didn't, you know, he didn't buck hard enough to get a high enough score to be competitive. Half of the score in bull riding is the bull. So, uh, in this in this day and age, if you don't if you don't win, it's because you don't ride good enough. Because most every bull you get on it most every rodeo or event is going to give you a chance to be competitive.
0: So it's a little bit more equal across the board. You, you might get on there Much and have, you might be having a great night and get on a bull. That's not, and then a guy over here, that's not as maybe as a good of a bull rider got on a better bull that night back when you were riding. And because it was so inconsistent, but
1: exactly. exactly. And so, you know, but over, you know, over the course of a, of a season of a year, you know, the guys that, the best guys ultimately wind up ended up winning the, the champion world championships and, and whatnot, it, you know, because the guys that that consistently stay on regardless of what the bull is, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, they're, they're the ones that are, are always going to win. But as you said, a guy that didn't ride as good, you know, would, would have a better bull. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that was to me. That was the most frustrating part. Of that was really the only thing that I disliked about bull riding was getting on a bull that even knowing before you nod your head that you're not going to be competitive, and there there's nothing more defeating than knowing you're going to lose before you even start. And you know that's one of the things that that we did. You know when we started the PBR is that. We screened the bulls, you know, to make sure every every bull in in the draw, every bull at the event, you could be competitive. And so that was just different from old school rodeo where one guy would bring, say, twenty-five bulls, and you know five or six might be badasses, and five or six might be pretty good, and you got five or six, they're just Duds, you know, just what we call pieces of shit because you couldn't because you because you couldn't win, you they know. And that, the, 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 the the name of the game is winning, and you know if if the if the bull sucks, then so do you because they're half the score.
0: How do you make them in your line of work? You have to still screen bulls tough you started the pbr you had to scream bulls you're doing it again how do you make a bull in the last 30 years better they can't go in the gym and bench press and squat and do box jumps and all. is it nutrition is it better bloodlines what how are these bulls so much better
1: it's all it's all it's all genetics i mean it's you know it's the bulls are much more athletic uh because they're breeding you know that they bred them to be that way and so it's all there's a lot more people that are doing it uh, means there's a lot more to pick from. But uh, you know, it used to be you know back in the early days of rodeo, and even you know, whenever I started riding professionally, you know, a, a stock contractor would go to a to a ranch and buy you know, guy would have eight or ten bulls on his ranch, and you'd buy them and hit buck him, and hopefully get you know, the kind that would be good enough to go to the rodeo, you know, well, well, now they, you know, they do a lot of artificial breeding where, you know, they, they do take the embryos and, you know, they, they do artificial insemination. And so there, there's a lot of that. And so, you know, you breed, you know, an athlete, you know, real athletic kind of a bull that has, you know, a history of, you know, bucking really, really good, and breeding it to a a, a female of a you know that that's, that's related, like maybe the mother of the world champion, and uh, and when you do that, you just get a, a, a there's a better chance that you know that bull is going to be you know a bull that bucks and the kind you want to to, to get on to ride. You know, you you can go through say. 10 or 20, and there might only be, you know, one or two that will be good enough to, you know, to take to, you know, to a major league event uh, and buck at, at the level where, you know, a guy can be 85 to, to 95.
0: Yeah, you live in a state. Where they do this a lot with white-tailed deer now it's all over the country now. But Texas and their white-tailed deer, artificial insemination, growing big bucks, the hunts that they can sell, the amount of money they're getting for the vials of sperm, then the does are selling high. Then you got the racehorse industry. Then what I do, sporting dogs. You know our labs are the same thing. We're looking for the best bloodlines in the country to breed with, and we're you know we're pumping sperm and 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 artificially inseminating bitches all across the country with a bunch of our male labs, and it's it's kind of the it's ring a bell but i sent you a text a couple minutes ago tough eat do you remember that picture do you remember that poster um i don't know if you can see it on there yeah
1: we did that, that that was a that was a poster that we did for resist all jim and ty and myself we we also did one very similar for uh anheuser Busch and bud light
0: do you see Good where you sign do you see where you signed that poster for me you see it on there? It's on the uh, the fence yep. rail right oh. to the left of your face. So you yeah,
1: signed, I I, I, I signed, signed something very inspirational, I'm sure.
0: No, you were in such a hurry, and here's why. Oh, I stood, I just signed my,
1: well, I signed my yeah, I signed the name.
0: I, I stood in line for two hours mm. to meet you because this is, the, this is how popular you were this time in your career. Always have been. Always will be. But I stood in line at MGM Grand. It was like the year the MGM opened. I don't know if you remember that, but like 92, 93. 93, I'm a freshman at UNLV playing baseball. NFRs in town at the Thomas and Mack Center in December. I'm going for sure. I grow up in Reno. I'm a huge rodeo fan. tough's going to be at the MGM sign-in. It was like the first year the MGM was ever built. I think it was their grand opening. And I stood in line. And I was wondering, after I saw that poster again, and then saw the year the PBR started. At this time, are you having that attitude? Like, man, there's a lot of piece-of-shit bulls that we're not bucking in the PRCA. It's time to do something different. Like, this time that this poster's oh, taken, yeah. it's kind of the time frame of when you start thinking about starting your own league, right?
1: Well, we would, you know, Lane Frost and uh, the Gaylords in Oklahoma, they they started an event called Bull Manza, and that was the, the, you know, the PBR, we basically modeled it. After what that event was, um, what it was inviting the top 30 guys, and then you know, putting up big entry fees. There was a thousand dollar entry fee, which was thousand dollars in 1989, 1988 was quite a bit for, for a cowboy, and then inviting just the best guys and the best bulls. And so, when when you do that, you know, that rodeo didn't really offer that with the exception of the national finals. You could go to a rodeo or bull riding event. You might not know who was going to be there, who wasn't, say, say Lane Frost was scheduled to ride that night there, but he might be up at another rodeo or he might've drawn a bull that he knew was just a complete dud and just didn't come because he knew he couldn't be competitive. And so we started PVR with number one, we wanted more opportunities to win money because that's what we did for a living. But we also wanted things like we didn't want to get on bulls that we know weren't any good before you even nod. And, you know, we wanted, you know, control over, you know, just rules and, and formats and, and payouts. And, you know, you know, initially we, we didn't start out to be, you know, grow this huge entity where we control everything about the sport you know we wanted to go get on good bulls and ride for a lot of money pretty simple uh but i'd been you know at that time when i started uh you know thinking about that was you know i'd ridden professionally for 10 years and you know kind of come to the realization at some point in time i was gonna have to have a real job and uh a good friend of mine uh named Ron Pat we got together and along the same time we were getting, getting the guys kind of organized for the PBR we we had our first event uh my first event which was in uh 93 um and it it was actually the first PBR finals Bud Light like, but like Cup finals. Uh, and then the next year uh, at the MGM in 94, that was the first year at the MGM in oh, 94. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you you were one of the original founding members of the PBR and owners of it. Was it the scope, you said you made a comment to a few minutes that you just wanted to ride bulls and make and have a chance to earn more money. This was your livelihood. This is how you put food on the f- table for your family. Did you ever see it turning into kind of a, I don't want to say WWE because that's fake wrestling even though they're great athletes. This is real bull riding with great bull rider athletes with great bulls, the best ranked bulls in the world. Um but it's a rock and roll show. It's a fireworks show. It's, it's like getting the crowd fired Mm -hmm. up. Was that talked about in the early days of that? It was going to turn into that.
1: Well, it wasn't so so, so much that, you know, we, we wanted to, you know, initially, you know, you know, I was riding, I still riding at the time, but I had an injury at the NFR in 93 where I, uh, I had a ruptured disc and I hit the ground at the NFR. And I think round number seven, Uh, you know, I was about to win, you know, my fourth world championship and I hit the in middle of the ride, my body just goes numb and I hit the ground and I'm paralyzed, like from the neck down and I'm paralyzed for about 20 minutes and they take me to the hospital and, uh, they do surgery and, uh, uh, you know, the guy who did the surgery came in and said, Hey, um, You know, you need surgery, you need it now. Um, There's some, there's some issues, you know, there's, there's some risk with surgery. You know, you can, you know, you can die from the anesthesia. You know, you can end up paralyzed for the rest of your life. And, uh, and you'll never, you'll never ride another bull in your life. And like, I just like, kind of just took my breath away because, you know, my whole livelihood, my whole life is over according to this guy, uh, the the guy who actually performed the surgery. So I didn't ride in all of 94. and, And in that time is when, you know, I started, you know, I was constantly working on organizing the PBR. And, you know, I was, I was the president of PBR for the first 13 years that they were, that they were in business. But, you know, having to, to, to to compete and try to manage a a, a startup business uh, was was a little bit challenging, but you know I never never thought twice about it. You know you you know why get up six or seven every morning, regardless of where I was at, and go to work on bull riding and stuff. But in '94, when I wasn't, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to ride again after my neck injury in 93 and so I put all of my effort and energy to getting PBR and you know my bull riding events uh, up and running and then in 95 uh I came back and, and and rode again started riding again in 95 and I rode from 95 until the till the spring of 98 and the th- those years were, they, they were, they were, they were, they were pretty challenging. They, they were, they were fun and exciting, but you know, getting up and working all day on events and then showing up and having, having a ride. Uh, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty delicate, pretty, challenging balance but you know i was i was always able to be in the moment you know i can whatever i'm gonna do right now i can shut everything off and regardless of what it is i'm usually able to to do that without it affecting you know i can do that probably just as good as that's the only thing i'm doing that's probably one of the best compliments i think i ever got was a guy and he had made the national finals probably I think he made four or 13 times he said that my my best trait was that I was he said I was the best in the moment guy he'd ever seen because regardless of what I was doing he said it didn't matter if I was doing a 6 a.m. radio interview promoting an event or I was at the, the after party or if I was getting on a bull there was nothing there. i was in in that moment and nothing. you know i wasn't distracted by anything else regardless of what it was
0: don't you win the worlds in 95 that's how focused you are we're working all day on the events don't you win the pbr world championship in 95 or 96
1: i won at 95 and i got bucked off my last one to win at 96 that's
0: right
1: and yeah I had a chance to win at ninety six. Yeah, you know, I won it ninety. I won the PBR ninety five, and I was second ninety six. I was third ninety seven, and in ninety eight, in the spring of ninety eight, I had a uh, I had another neck injury, and uh, that was in the first part of March. And when I went and see Doctor Freeman, he said, "Well, if you have a if you have the same injury, you know, one level one level lower, then." Uh, you're going to be either Christopher Reeds or dead. And so he said, I know how much you love your kids. And, you know, and so that, that, that was it. I never, I never got on another one, you know, after, after that. And that was, that was March of 98. And at that time I was 35. I was winning the world in the PRCA and the PBR. Uh, when that, when that happened, but. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, everybody would like to have the John Elway, you know, win the Super Bowl and retire, but not very many p- people get, get to do it. But, you know, to be able to have a 15 year career riding bulls, uh, have as much success and as few injuries as I had, I, I was, uh, I consider myself, man, I still do probably the luckiest guy in the world
0: does your neck injuries from back in the day still inhibit you or bother you at all?
1: No, not, not, not too much. I've had about three or four neck surgeries, but, uh, you know, everybody thinks that my neck injuries were, were from riding bulls, but you know, I've got a very severe case of stenosis, you know, which is a narrowing of the spine. And so you, you run into issues like, you know, herniated disc and things of that, that nature so uh i've had issues with that but i you know i've had surgeries but you know i, I had a, also a couple different car wrecks that probably did more damage to you know to to my neck and spine than than, than bull riding ever did which sounds kind of crazy but that's pretty it, much how it uh, was
0: it is crazy because the sport looks so dangerous it just looks dangerous but riders like you make it look so easy with like how you glide through it and like you said it's like a swing dance or a two-step you're following the bull you got to be a good follower your body has to adapt um do you walk into the arena still tough and smell those smells and see those shoots and want to get on it or is that all past? you're fine just being no, in the audience know,
1: now you know from from the day that i knew i wasn't gonna ride again it I was done. So I was done. I was, I'm never, I, I never think about it. Like, Oh, I wish this or I wish that. I'm just, if it's not going to happen, I don't, I'm not going to think about it. I'm, a, I'm just kind of a realist. I try to be, and, uh, you know, I, I did it for as long as I could. And, you know, I gave it all I had, you know, I could have won more. I could have won less, but, you know, I did what I did. I had a, pretty 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 good career and uh you know looking back more than anything i'm not sure how that that you survived by getting on as many bulls as i did for doing it so long because you know it's you know even when you think about it you know it's dangerous as hell i mean every time you you go out there you got a legitimate chance of being seriously injured or even killed and uh you know, looking back, you know, even when my my boys, my older boys, you know, kind of thought about riding a little bit, and, you know, I never did, I never did encourage them to ride and I never really discouraged them, but I was always honest with them. I'm like, you know, the better you are at it, uh, the less chance you have of being injured, but that really doesn't, doesn't mean anything is. You know, I show, show them all. Okay, I went to the NFR twelve times, and so these are the best guys. And I pointed to three people. I said, "Those were those were friends of mine. That was my best friend." Those guys died like twenty feet in front of me, not hurt, died. You got Lane Frost, you got Glenn Keeley, uh, Brent Thurman, all in the arena right in front of you. And then there's two or three guys, that guy's in a wheelchair and that guy's in a wheelchair. So this shit is real. And I'm not telling you not to do it, but, you know, one, one ride can either change your life forever or even end it. So for me, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's just not for very many people because it's just, uh. You know, people just don't understand and realize how dangerous it is.
0: I can't imagine. Like I started, you know, with how great of athletes these are. Take me back, if you will. I've heard mentioned and people can go on and read about Tuff Eadman's career. They say that the season of 89 was difficult for you. Were you not riding good or was it mainly because of what happened to your best friend Lane Frost? Can you take me back there? Can you take me to Cheyenne and what the aura was because it was just another rodeo for you guys. I know Cheyenne Frontier Days is a big deal, but for you guys it's just another bull, it's just another rodeo on on the tour. You're in your car, you're in your van, you're in your pickup. You got you know you guys traveled the world doing this. What what was this atmosphere like, and 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 how does the outcome come about?
1: Well, it was just a, again it was another rodeo, it was another year. You know we we had a great group of guys that that we traveled with it's, uh, myself, Lane Frost, Jim Sharp, and Clint Bronger at that time, and so we we enjoyed rodeoing, and we you know, we entered every, you know, we entered the rodeo together. We, we traveled together, and you know, we, we drove a little bit, but most, most of the time, you know, we, we flew, you know, if they were way off, we flew, but, you know, you know, Lane and I were had gotten to be really, really close. And, you know, even when we weren't at a rodeo together, we'd be at home, we would do things and go places together. And, you know, we, the, the fun thing about it, it, you know, from, you know, 86 until, till 89, uh, you know, we want, we want everything, you know, either me, Jim, you know, Laner Clint, you know, w- when we showed up somewhere, we knew we were going to win. One of us is going to win. And we kind of, you know, we just, we just, we had fun because, you know, we, we were, we, we all, at that point we are, were, we we're all riding really, really well. And, uh, you know, when you're riding with the best guys, you don't want to be that guy that, that sucks. You know, <laughs> we always used to joke and you know, if you got bucked off, uh, I think it was either two or three in a row. If you got bucked off two or three in a row, then you, had, you couldn't ride with us anymore. You had to go somewhere else. <laughs> and so, we would we we, we we were hard on each other, but you know we that year was really no different. You know, it, it, when looking back, like in '86, I won the world in the In '86, I won it. In '87, Lane won it. In '88, Jim won it. In '89, I won it. In '90, Jim won it. '91, I won it. So over that period, one of us was the world champion, and so. To us, it was, you know, that, that was maybe a friendly rivalry, but, you know, we weren't so devastated and upset if, you know, when I didn't win it in, uh, in nine, you know, in a certain years because, you know, Jim won it because, you know, he won the last round or, you know, and I won it, you know, in 89. I won, you know, something last round. There's always... It was always back and forth, and always close, but it was always fun. So, as long as one of us won, we, we were we were pretty happy. And so eighty nine was really no different. Exception Lane, he wasn't having a great year. He was kind of getting, you know, he he'd been hurt a couple times, you know, kind of beat up, and, and uh, you know, we we get Cheyenne actually had some braces on where he had had some teeth had to get wired in, and and whatnot. And, you know, I, I was actually having a good year and, you know, and all of a sudden the Cheyenne, uh, he makes a really good ride and, uh, he, uh, he gets off and, you know, didn't get off great. And the bull that he had wasn't known for really being, you know, one that will come after you, but he just, his hand hung enough to where he just kind of came off in front of me. He just kind of ran over him and what we would call he smoked him. He just kind of a hit and run, just kind of a drive. I just run over him and when he did, he just put his, had his head down and his horn just pushed, pushed in the side there and uh, he, he broke his rib and uh, severed an artery and he kind of got up. He motioned for, somebody to come help him and you knew right then something was wrong because he was a real physically tough guy. And if he was asking you for some help and something, something was wrong and, uh, he, he took about two steps and hit, hit the ground. And, uh, you know, they, they had doctors and, uh, all the medical people there that, you know, certainly, the, the kind of people who can treat about anything and uh, they brought him back and had a little they have a they have a little mini ER there behind the chutes that, that, and they had him in there and they they were trying to revive him you know he was you know he he was gone when he left the arena and they tried to revive him there and they put him in an ambulance and I jumped in the ambulance and we went and to the hospital and they uh, they worked on him in the ER for what seemed like forever and uh, it was yeah just the worst day of my life
0: actually. you were in the ambulance with him tough
1: yeah oh damn sorry yeah it's uh, even now it's I mean it was a long time ago it's just something you, you, but shit like that you, you 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 don't ever get over I, and, assume. You know, I, I went on, you know, I went on, uh, you know, when something like that happens, you don't you question everything and you don't, you don't really know what to do or what not to do or what you should do. And, uh, but the next, you know, I think, uh, probably five, five or six day- days later, uh, I got back on the I got back on the road and uh, Jim and I and Clint, well, you know, we continued to rodeo just like we had been and, uh, but it was a, it was a, it was a pretty, I don't know, just it was just very challenging and very.
0: Did you feel guilty at all, like the, like an athlete would, or like a a good man probably would? Like, I wish it would have been me, or why did it have to be Lane? Did those thoughts go well, through your you, head and something like that?
1: You know, I think I think everything does, but you know, I you know, I always try to be realistic and you know, think how what would you know if that would have been me, what I would have wanted them to do. You know, I mean, this is what we do. This is you know. That can happen. When it happens, that doesn't mean everybody should quit doing it. You know. So, what
0: bull was it, Tuf? Uh, uh,
1: he his brand was So. They called him "Taking Care of Business," and he was a great bull. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't known to be mean or you know ferocious. It just it was more of a freak accident. You know, I actually i I'd, I'd ridden that bull before even actually i think it was the year before i i'd ridden him at the national finals and i rode him for eight seconds but I, i i hit his horn on my arm right here got disqualified which it was the same year that jim rode jim sharp rode 10 bulls and uh i got i got disqualified on him or i would have rode 10 bulls that year i rode the other nine but so there was some history with that with that bull, but uh, yeah, it was it was just a freak accident. And it's just something that you don't expect a guy of his caliber. You know, it's like you don't expect Earnhardt to die at Day- Daytona. You know, you don't expect Wayne Frost to die in Cheyenne. You know, you just it's just one of those things that uh, even how long you know it's been forever ago and. You know, I I remember every detail of every minute of that day.
0: I can't imagine being that close. And last question about taking care of business: Does he get taken out of the rodeo when something like this happens, or do cowboys get another chance uh, at that bull after this? No,
1: he you know he would he would go on and you know he probably bucked for another maybe another year or two. You know, most of these bulls they're just like people. Some of them last longer than than others uh and you know bulls will probably you know they fully mature you know you know what it probably you know five years old five or six is in their prime and now in this day and age you know bulls aren't around as long as they used to be because you know they're they're like athletes and they're like football players it's not that this guy can't play you know, after four or five years, but you've got another younger, faster, uh, healthier one that will take his place. And so that's, that's kind of what it is in bull right now is uh, there's, there's, a, there's there's a new crop next year that are, <laughs> that are better than the ones you have. These are still good, but these are going to be better. And then the next year there's going to be some better than them. And that's, that's kind of how the bull business is, has evolved because of the, the number of people that are actually, you know, in in breeding and contracting. And the sport has, you know, really exploded. And, you know, there's a there's a need in a market for really good bulls so a lot of people are are in it.
0: So if in ninety three, when I got that poster signed by the other athlete that I wanted to get close to or get a shot of was a bull called named Bodacious. I would go outside behind the Thomas and Mac and they'd have it fenced off and I'd be looking for that bull, big white bull. He had this you know he had this whole reputation um in the rodeo. What was that reputation you had some encounters with Bodacious. What made those encounters so special, or was he just another bull? Also, what made Bodacious such a? Was it his genetics back then, like he was ahead of his time, maybe, or what? Why was he so special? Well, he
1: was a well. He was a big badass. He was a big, huge. You know he he was you know oh, you know weighed almost a ton and you know bulls are just like people you know the bigger they are, usually the stronger they are, but the, the less, you know, mobile and athletic they are usually. But he had, you know, he had, you know, athletic ability that big bulls didn't have, you know, he was like a, you know, hell, he was like a, you know, 300 pound lineman, you know, being able to play, you know, Defensive back, or you know, he he was just much more athletic, and he and, he, and he had a had a had a style of bucking that he that he came up really high. You know, when he went to take a jump, his his, his the front of his body, his front end would come up, and then when he come down and, and kick with his back feet, he tended to to pull a lot of guys down and hit them in the face, and which made him extremely dangerous and you know most guys were even 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 the good guys were were a little bit leery and even even scared of him but uh i don't think i was ever smart enough to be afraid of him you know i i wind up getting on him you know i got on him four times and i only wrote him once i wrote him one out of those times and you know, it was probably the best ride I ever made. I think I was like ninety-five or something. It was at Long Beach, the Bull Riders Only competition. And then I had him a year later, and you know he would gotten a little bit bigger, and and I, what I really didn't realize at the time, he kind of had kind of changed his pattern a little bit, where he'd kind of stutter step a little bit when he'd take a jump, and he would throw his head straight straight back. Well, a bull like that the way he bucks in order to ride him to keep from getting pulled jerked down which he did to almost everybody you kind of had to be up forward so whenever he dropped down he he didn't he didn't bring the force of your body leaning back and pull it down hit you you were already up there but i was up there and like the second jump he hit me in the face and broke every bone in, in my face and had to have about uh, well, I had 13 hours of reconstructive surgery to, to repair it all but, and then uh, they booked him uh, I dreamed again six weeks later at the NFR and I had lost about 25 pounds and uh, it was at the national finals but I didn't I got on his back and when I opened the chute, I just hung on to the back of the chute because I wasn't gonna try to ride him because you know, six weeks before that he he'd just nearly killed me and he killed me because of the way the way it was you know the way he was bucking it wasn't if I would have made a mistake and you know if I leaned back and jerked me down then that would have been on me but I was doing what you had to do, to ride, to riding you know, a bull of that caliber. I was in perfect position, and he just threw his head back and, and hit me in the face, and again broke every bone in my face. And so I didn't get on. So the next time he was bucked, a guy named Scott Bredding got on him, and he did the exact same thing to him, threw his head back and hit him in the face, and he had a. A hockey face mask on but it still shattered his eye socket and knocked him out didn't do as much damage as he did to me but after then uh, after that they retired him because they knew that because he just really changed his style of bucking to where you know he was going to kill somebody and bull riders is dangerous enough without getting on one uh, and there was really no way to Combat being sitting right in the center where you're supposed to be, and him throwing his head in the back and hit you in the face. Uh, that's really there's no place for, for 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 one like that. But he was just a big badass, you know.
0: Is his bloodline still out there, tough? Well,
1: it's fun. You know, it's funny. You know, they you know they had they they bred him to all kinds. Of, you know, and, and they collected semen. And, he had maybe one or two decent bulls, but his offspring just weren't, they weren't, they weren't much because again, he was, he is he was a real, real big, massive. And you, again, when they're that big, they're just not as, you know, again, the 280 pound lineman, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to play wide out, you know, he, just the way he was built he just could do things for his size that most folks can't and so you know none of his offspring ended up to be much of anything
0: take me back to feed him into that nfr you win it in 89 special moment though it's highlighted in the movie at the end of eight seconds did you know you were going to do this and if you did what happens if you don't make the full eight on the original ride? Cause you go eight seconds on your bull and then you ride him for eight more in memory of your best friend, Lane Frost. Is this correct or do I have it wrong?
1: No, that's, that is correct. But it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, you know, for me to win the, the championship, uh, I had to win no less than second or third for that day. Uh, and which I thought I could do. I didn't really know the bull too much because he, yeah, he, was, he was relatively unknown, but he hadn't been ridden. Nobody had successfully ridden him for eight seconds. And I had to win no less than third for that day. And Jim Sharp had to get bucked off. Well, at that time, Jim had rode 23 in a row. So I thought my chance of winning weren't any good at all because a friend of mine asked me, Hey, do you, you know, can you win it? I said, no, because Jim has to get bucked off and I have to win no less a third. And I didn't think there was any way Jim was going to get bucked off. Well, I ride I ride my bull and I'm just I guess the emotion of, because it wasn't something that i had actually planned or thought about. It just happened. And, uh, but even when I when I got off, you know, I'm, I'm as happy as I can be, but I'm, I still don't think I'm going to win the world because Jim's about to ride. He's rode 23 in a row, but he was getting on one, one of the greatest bulls, probably in the history of the sport called Mr. T. And, but I still thought, Jim would ride him, but he slammed Jim, and so that made me pass him because if he would have rode, he, he was a cinch to win a championship, but as soon as he got bucked off, I knew I was a world champion.
0: So what, obviously you only get scored on your first eight seconds. The last eight seconds are for Lane Frost. What do you score on that bull?
1: Oh, well, the, the, the bull, he started good, and after about four or five seconds he just he gave it up. And I think I was the score was low for for a national final bull ride. I think I was I was seventy six or seventy eight. You know you know, he started for the first four seconds I was gonna be, you know, in the in the mid eighties, mid to high eighties probably. Uh but that bull hadn't been ever been ridden. He didn't really know what to do. He just he just gave up. Uh, so he really wasn't much the last, the last four seconds. So it's, uh, it was cool just because of the way the year, you know, it'd been such a, a trying, trying year. And, uh, you know, fortunately it ended on a good note.
0: What take me back to, that night after is there a huge after party or are you quiet in your hotel room because of lane the crowd's going crazy thomas and mac is on fire the strip is alive what do you do personally after a night like that
1: no we were you know, we went out and celebrated i mean it was a, uh, you know I, I never got you know i got off and there were just tears running down my face i don't you know it was just a feeling of uh just a lot of emotions and in relief that, 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 that it was over, but just the fact that, you know, he, he, he was gone and he, he, he wasn't coming back and it was a, that was, that was still hard to, hard to take. And, you know, it's just something you just don't ever get over.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I think that, I think that guys my age or girls my age, like you hold a special place in our hearts. Um, And again, I'm not a cowboy. I mean, I think we all are in a way, but it's, I I always had a lot of, uh, so much respect for the cowboy way. And I always was fascinated with it. I always loved it. Never had the guts to do it. Um, But I just, life is life and to lose somebody like that. But then there's another element of the Lane Frost deal with you because you are best friends and you see it happen in front of you. That's not normal. That's a whole different, uh, that's a whole different element that's added on to the situation and experience. And For you to come back and get in that car or that van or that truck and go on and and, and keep rodeoing and then win the world title at the NFR for the PRCA, I mean, come on, this is like storybook stuff that's not really guaranteed. You still have to have the mental aptitude to do all of this when your heart and soul is hurting, not just for yourself personally, but you're Miss Lane, but what about his wife? What about his family? No, you, you have feelings for all of this going on. So it's got to just be multiplied on top of you. And for you to come out on top, that's pretty, that's being a world-class athlete, but there's something, there's a different ingredient in there is what I'm trying to say. Tough.
1: Well, it was just a, you know, it was, it was hard. You know, I, it, it's always, it's always hard to, to, to be at the highest level and when you have something like that uh, you know for, for whatever reason I always had the ability to to show up whenever whenever it was time you know even you know through that or you know I might be might not have had any sleep for a day and a half or you know you're you're really sore or Uh, you know, you know, know, I had, you know, family members that, you know, pass away, and, you know, everybody always has something, you know, I I guess this, this was more, I guess it was, people could see it, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people go through things that people just don't ever, ever see that, you know, my case wasn't, worse for me than it was for a lot of people. Uh, It was just very public and on display.
0: Was the movie pretty dialed in as far as, you didn't mention Cody's name as as you guys went on, touring and rodeoing was he in there writing poetry what was it like working with baldwin and perry do you think they did a good job i think that you were even a stuntman for Stephen baldwin's uh tough Edeman, you know his character what was the movie was it well depicted of what really went down in lane frost's life and career
1: well i think it i think it it really i think luke luke was a phenomenal guy and did a great job and You you got the spirit of who Lane was and what he was about. You know, there was, you know, uh, the writer, uh, John Adelson, or he wasn't right, he was the director, Uh, the guy that wrote it. uh, He wrote Memphis Bill. I can't remember what his name was, but we, we never had, I never got along with the writer or the director because they didn't care about what the facts were. And, you know, they were just, wanting to make their movie. And, you know, I had, a, I had an issue with that. You know, like this was this is our lives. And, you know, if you're going to make up a bunch of bullshit, uh, then that's fine. But don't say it was Blaine Frost. Say it was Joe Blow. So, you know, they, it was, it was not a very fun process. They had three different scripts. Uh, yeah, I thought the one that they used was, uh, was, was the worst one. Um and there there was some BS here and there, but I think Luke did a great job. He worked extremely hard uh to do, you know, I got to know him really well. He got to know Lane's family really well, and he was a first class guy. Great guy, and did a great job. Steven Stephen's good guy. He's a bald one, you know. He, he good guy. I liked him. He's kinda of funny, you know. They they always think they're they well you know, they're a Baldwin, they're an actor, they kind of kind of take themselves a little more serious than some people do, but I got along with Steven pretty good. Uh, but, you know, I remember at one, one point they were shooting a scene, and I walked out, and they were rolling tape, and I just said, bullshit, bullshit, you're not doing this, and, you know, it was just something ridiculous that never would have happened, and that was the time that was whenever they uh the director you know steven and uh luke took me back and said you know you just can't do that and then one of the avs came and wondered know how much money it was going to take for me to leave and not come back just <laughs> it was uh, but, but i mean know, this is
0: something that you do want to keep an eye on this is your best friend this is his legacy your yeah, legacy it's,
1: it's, 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 yeah this is yeah well this this is this is his life and you know his family i said they just you know, care about the box
0: office success of it they want to make right the best and so again story.
1: so you know, if it if it if it wasn't for luke i, I think it would have been a, a failure i i thought it turned out pr- pretty good uh i thought it could i thought it could have been better but you know, Luke did a, did a great job, and he was the reason that, that, that it worked because he, he was the one that fought for, fought for telling the real story.
0: I want to talk about your new business, the Tough Hedeman Bull Riding Tour. That would be the THBRT. But before I do, I have to ask your opinion on one more cowboy And I don't know if you knew him personally. I don't know how well you did if you did. But I want to know what him and his lifestyle, and I'll give it away by saying this, his music meant to you before he passed, the late, great Chris Ledoux. Was he a friend? Were you a fan? And where were you when you found out that news? And did it? I know it didn't hit you as hard as lame, but that hit the rodeo world pretty hard, didn't it, losing Chris?
1: Yeah, it it did. And, uh, you know, growing up, you know, listen to him and uh knowing he was a knowing he was a real cowboy and you know I was fortunate enough you know to to meet him and he was very very kind to me and uh I got to I was a uh you know I was I was was a spokesman for Anheuser-Busch for Bud Light for for 13 years and so you know after I retired from riding I uh I I went to a, uh, the Bud Light had me go to a, to a place in, in Oklahoma and they said, yeah, there's, there's a cowboy that's playing there. I said, okay. And so I, I, get there and it's Chris LeDoux. And so I got to, I got to hang out with him before he went on. And, uh, you know, I got, you know, got to be kind of, got to be buddies with, uh, you know, his son, Ned and, uh, he was a, he was a, he was a super, super nice guy.
0: Yeah. he super was. Good guy. I, I used to love just the realism, man. He had that bull on stage. He'd ride it for, I mean, oh, he, had, yeah. he had songs called the eight second ride and Copenhagen angel and bareback Jack. Yeah, he, I mean, it was perfect of who the cowboy was in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, all, all of his was just all about rodeo and riding. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was he was he was a gentleman. He was he was a real cowboy, but he's, you know, he was super, super nice to me. Because
0: when I hear like "hold tight with a leather fist, watch out when he starts to twist," that's what the daddy used to tell them boys on how to ride them bulls. I think of you, Toughyman. I that's his music would make me think of you. So like, no, was I on the circuit? No, was I a cowboy? No, did I? Did I? ever claim to be? No, but I had like this weird fascination of the American cowboy way. I grew up in the West. I grew up in the mountains. I grew up hunting. I grew up fishing. I grew up around cattle, steer drives, you know, Rocky mountain oysters and getting the nuts and doing the fries and the brandings. And I was around all of it. And I loved it all. So hearing that kind of music and reading Louis L'Amour, that stuff means so much to me. So, you know, that goes back to having the opportunity of having you on here. A lot of people might be like, well, what is Belding doing talking to Tough Hedeman? The reason I wanted to talk to Tough Hedeman, I've had Chase Outlaw on here. I've talked to Lockwood. I, You know, I the they, these guys, you're their heroes. You're my hero because I love rodeo. And just knowing what you mean to the sport and the lifestyle and the culture is everything. So Tough Hedeman bull riding tour is a new business. You were a PRCA three-time world champion. You're a PBR world champion. You were the founder and owner and and president of PBR Professional Bull Riders Tour for 13 years. You're 50. You're in your 50s now. You're starting a new business. It started already. What What's the outlook? What are you experiencing with it? Are you going to be? Is it all over the country? Where can we go see one of these events? What's going on with the Tough Heatum and Bull Riding Tour?
1: Well, it's it's really the same thing that i've been doing you know you know i had my first event in in 92 and uh you know the pbr for me uh in regards to my bull riding you know they're like a sanctioning body it was a pbr event uh for gosh i think uh i think first 13 years and then uh then i did it as a CBR event, which is another sanctioning body. And so what I do now is I, it's kind of like a select tour, you know, it's invitational, you know, I'll invite whoever I want. I'll do, you know, I'll do eight to 10 events a year. Um, it's, you know, you know, Sage Kimsey might be at one, you know, he, he comes to some just very di- different guys. It's, it's, it's just geared for, you know, uh, high-level guys, it's it, it's really no not a lot different from what I've always done, which is produce bull riding events. And guys like coming because they know that they're always going to get a competitive opportunity. They know they're going to get a good bull. They know they're going to get treated with respect. They know that, you know, now you got all these sanctioning bodies, you know, they've got, you know, every rule for you can't do this. You, you can't wear Jack Daniels on your shirt because Crown Royal is my spa you know, is the event sponsor. And they get into all that nonsense and bullshit that uh, that that I detest. And uh, they just know that they're going to be treated fairly and they're going to have a chance to win some money. You don't get on good bulls and win, win good money. And, uh, you know. We, I do, you know, I, most of the events I do, I've done, you know, for, for years and years, you know, I've done, you know, El Paso, I was born and raised in El Paso, I've done one there for, you know, I've been having events there for 20 years, uh, do Las Vegas, I do at the South Point that, uh, Mr. Uh, Michael Gahn owns the property and he's been a good friend of mine since the early 90s we we do one we just had one there two weeks ago or uh, i guess about a month ago uh, sold out and you know i'm gonna do eight to ten events and uh, hang out with my family and uh enjoy life
0: I love it. Tough Heateman is the man. Who's your pick for PRCA World Bull Riding Champions? Does JB Mooney have a shot to win the NFR? His first time or not, yeah, his, the first time ever, I yeah. think, competing at the NFR. Do you pick him to be your world champion in
1: 2021? I don't I, I'm rooting for him. I uh, I'm not I I would I would never count him out. You know, he's always he's always kind of, he's always wanted to go to the NFR. Yeah, you know, because again, you know the PBR, you know it turned into, you know, it turned into something and in everything that we were against. It, it's kind of funny because a lot of the things that the PRCA did that we disagreed with, for you know all their rules, regulations, you know their failure to make sure that you had competitive opportunity, you know all the stuff that they did that we that pissed us off and restricted us from having the freedom to have our own sponsors uh, and, and a whole laundry list of stuff that, you know, then that's, that's what the PBR pretty much does to bull riding. They, they do all the shit that we, that we would, that we would never stand for if, if we were riding. But when all the, all the guys, you know, my age, once they retired, they just didn't give a shit about those guys. It's all ah, well, screw them, you know? You know, they just wanted to try to get paid and make money off of it, and that wasn't me, and that's why you know, I didn't want to get up and argue with these guys all day about them doing what, what they should be doing for the guys that are riding, because they they didn't have a very good memory, in my opinion, so. Um, you know, JBA's always wanted to go to the NFR, but they he was restricted from going because there was always uh, major PBR events that he couldn't miss to go to the rodeos, he needed to qualify for the NFR, and so I'm excited that he's going to go. Uh, and I think he'll, I think he'll do good. Uh, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he'll win it or, or he won't, but you know he's, you know he's certainly not in his prime, um, but but he. I don't think you can count him out and you know, could have been 10 years ago. I think he would be, you know, the odds on favorite to win. Uh, but he's got a chance. And, you know, again, he's, I'm not even sure how old he is, but uh, he's, he's at the age that, you know,
0: I think he's 35. He's not, as, 35
1: he, or he's not, he's, he's not, he's not as good now as he was five, five, you know, five to 10 years ago, I, you know, and I say that out of no disrespect, you know, when I was 35, I wasn't as good as I was when I was 30. You know, you just, your body, you know, isn't, is responsive. And, uh, but he's, he's having, he's having a good year and he ha- he has gone for what's most important riding bulls. He's got the, he's got the, He's got the guts and the determination, you know, and what we we say in bull world, he, he's got he's got balls, and that's what it takes. He's a he's a never he's a gutsy, never give up guy, and uh, hell, Brady won the Super Bowl, Phil won won a major. I certainly wouldn't count out J.B. Mooney to win to, to win the N.F.R.
0: I'm a huge fan of him. I watched him win Reno this year, um, came into Reno and rode his two bulls and, and, and won Reno, which
1: he's, he's a, he's, he's a badass. And, uh, you know, he's, he certainly, he certainly, had, had, it would be no surprise at all to me if he wins. And, uh, I, I, I hope he does.
0: Yeah, I do too. I'd love to and, see. And, and, what I, a and, I, and
1: I'm, and I'm friends with, you know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, you know Sage Kimsey's a badass. Uh, you know Stetson Wright. You know he's you know, he's a badass. You know yes, I, I no. you know I I usually really don't have favorites. I I'm, I'm pretty much fans of those guys. Uh, but I think that uh, I think J, JV's got certainly got a, got a chance to win it. Uh, I don't, I don't think he would probably be the favorite, but you know. You know, you never know. Guts and t- determination will take you a long ways. I do know that.
0: Tough Hedeman, will you be in Vegas in December second through the eleventh in the Resist All booth to watch any of the National Finals Rodeo?
1: Oh, I'll, I'll be there. You know, I've I haven't missed an NFR uh, since nineteen
0: eighty four. God, how awesome!
1: i I've, I've not missed. Uh, I've watched probably every performance since then so you know whenever I, I retired from competing I've always stayed involved I do a lot of you know I do I do a lot of promotions in and around NFR for Resist All Panhandle Western Wear Rock and Roll uh Lou Casey I do all kinds of it. I did you know I, I did uh, commentating a couple of years ago I got i was a little too i was a little too truthful and they, they, they didn't like they a lot of people don't like a lot of people like they, they want the truth until they get it
0: so. <laughs> well, i like the way that's put well well maybe you and i can have i don't know if you sip on a jack daniels once in a while but if you do oh, yeah. if you do i'd like to have i'll be there december 9th and 10th um in the resist all booth i can't wait to well, see I'll be you I'll,
1: I'll, I'll be there but i'll just I'll just tell you anybody that's ever seen me drink any jack Daniels has never offered it to me
0: <laughs> well i'll I'll keep that in mind and consideration how good just of a saying. man how good of a man is dustin noblet is he is he just awesome or what
1: the you know that those guys are you know i've I've been with them forever and ever and they're not like they're not like a typical company they're they're they truly are like family, so Dustin, Ricky, the whole, whole crew, uh, their, their goals. was funny because, because, because Ricky Bowling, you know, you know, he is over all the reason, you know, he's a, he's a GM, you know, he was a, he, he may be an FR, I think four or five times. And, you know, I've known him since I was 11 years old and I always told him, I said, you know, had I any idea that he was going to be a big shot and my boss one day, I would probably be nicer to him. <laughs> you, you <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're great guys. They're super good guys.
0: What? um, I don't know how to go out of this, man. I could talk to you for days. Can we do another one of these, maybe after the NFR, and talk about the performances?
1: Yeah, because you know, the, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that too what uh i I can't thank you enough, tough. I want to do another one of these. I truly appreciate your time and more so, just who you are, your career, what it's meant to me i wish I wish I could explain to you like you know what it did, what it meant to me to be a part of that and to see it and to watch it and to, and to be able to... And that's what I kind of like about... I'm not a big social media guy. I know that it's needed. I know I get evolution. I know marketing and all that. I get that it's a part of that, but it's cool to you're, be you're, able to...
1: You're, 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 you're saying exactly what I think. And I think... Exactly, but everything I think you just said, yeah. But but it's for what we do, like, it's necessary. And it, there, there's really, really a lot of cool elements to it. They're just a lot of bullshit a lot of fakeness if we could stay real with that i'm not that that, that i'm not i'm not a big fan of
0: that i couldn't agree more but i do like the ability to go back and watch your rides on youtube and other places that's kind of a cool thing to have for me to be able to type in tough edeman and see some of the greatest bull rides in history so that's one cool benefit about it um oh yeah the rest of it i just i just don't care about the likes i don't care about the i don't know man i got a different opinion but i kind of got to be quiet because of like your truth comment
1: we we represent trust me i know yes
0: we represent a lot of brands and i just gotta walk the fine line but man let's do this again i will see you in december i'll i'll text i'll text you after this and we'll make some plans hopefully uh i'm gonna be duck hunting not too far from fort worth up in paris texas in december maybe maybe you could come up and uh
1: give me a I'd
0: love to. All right. Well then, uh, plan on that, and then I will. Well, what, be...
1: What's a, what's a, what size shirt do you wear? are you, are you like a double X? You big no, husky guy? I'm XL. But thanks big for guns? thinking I was okay. bigger. No, I'll uh I'll send you. I've got a line of shirts with panel or I'll send you some cowboy shirts.
0: That and uh, and any tech and any tough Heedman merch, man. I like tough Heedman merch if you it. got it. Yeah. And the tour. Okay, well Absolutely. let's stay in touch. I'll text you address after this. I truly appreciate it. If you guys and girls don't like listening to tough heatman I don't know what to tell you. This guy is on a different I'll level. I I'll, cool.
1: I'll, I'll come I'll in Reno. I love Reno. I actually I won Reno a couple times. I got the Spurs. Oh yeah. Hanging up here somewhere. So.
0: I got Bob Tallman coming on here. I know he's a big fan of you. Uh the the Carano family at the Eldorado resorts in Reno are big fans of Tough Eateman. Oh yeah, yeah, they're good guys. Yeah, they, they you've you've got a lot of fans support and a lot of friends, more importantly, in this community. So I'd love to have you here. We'll hang out. That's Tough Eateman. Y'all check him out. The Tough Eateman Bull Riding Tour. Let's all go to an event and support these bull riders. Another episode brought to you by jack daniels and resist all hats thank you resist all for believing in our culture again of the american hunter fisher outdoorsman provider gatherer we're going to go out with a song today i'm gonna have to try to get a hold of ned Ledoux and make sure i can get uh permission maybe you can help me out with that tough but we're going out with cadillac cowboy we're going to play the first verse of hold tight with a leather fist this is chris Ledoux, cadillac cowboy
1: hold tight with a leather fist watch out when he starts to twist what the daddies used to tell him boys, how to ride them bulls I got a jingle in my jeans, sort of places in between, and I'm leaving old Salt Lake, with a push and a pull. Tenfold buddy, come on back. A horse trainer on a cadillac. Yeah, we're talking to the cowboy, then the coupe de ville, luggin' up one side. Sliding down the other